The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. I would be lying if I didn't tell you this is one of my favorite guests. We've had him on uh, many of our shows on this station and every time I feel a little bit more optimistic about the future of our transit system, of what Edmonton could be like if we just started really nailing it in the city planning department. Walkability is always a goal and this is something that Brent Todarian really, really focuses on. He's a city planner and urbanist with Todarian Urban Works and the former chief planner for the city of Vancouver. Good afternoon, Brent. Hi, Kelsey. How are you? I, uh, I'm i doing well. I, I I feel like I could probably bug you every day if I wanted to with a, a, a request to have you on one of our shows to talk something urban planning or really what it usually comes down to for us is our, our lack of a transit system here. So I try to, you know, give you a month off here and there before I bug you again and again. Well, that's kind of you. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for making some time. No uh, problem. Always glad to. You, you put out uh, an article that I do want to get to about your 25 New Year's resolutions that you may suggest if people want to be more involved in their civic responsibilities, things that you mm. can do to better yourself and your city, and we'll go there. But what jumped out at me last night when I was flipping through the stories of the day is a report out of Southern California, and they were taking a look at one of LA's biggest transit lines, and they noticed that ridership was a lot lower than they anticipated, and when they took a, a look, they realized it was females that they were not, for some reason, getting their tickets. And uh, 20% of women said that they were specifically avoiding this transit line because of the fear of harassment or they just didn't feel safe. And if they said, basically anywhere that you want to have a strong transit system, you want to make sure that women are safe and you're going to see an increase. Is there something there? Well, uh, yes, there's something there, but you always have to be careful of, of uh, jumping to quick conclusions with a study like this. The study authors acknowledged that it was a, a pretty simple study methodology, small sample size, all that kind of stuff. And really, it was only 20% of the women who didn't want to ride additional transit, notwithstanding the new um, uh, infrastructure, who said who raised issues of safety. So really, one out of five, which means four out of five didn't raise safety issues. So I always, you know, stress the need to read the fine print on these um, study results, because they tend to splash a big headline that says, you know, all women are afraid of transit. Uh, having said that, um, we've long known that issues of safety, and not just safety, but comfort, just not necessarily feeling you're in any danger, but just whether or not you feel comfortable or, or not is an issue for transit ridership, and it's an issue particularly for women. Um, and that's because women, I often say it's because women are smarter and more in tune to their uh, environment uh, for reasons of often having to be. But having said that, it's important to really uh, stress the fact that transit is safe. Uh, as a matter of fact, you're far more likely to be hurt, harmed in some way, driving your car to work every day than taking public transit. Astronomically more likely. The stats are staggering. But that's not the perception. The perception is that, um, and, and often it's because it's related more to comfort um, uh, of, of having some sort of an interaction you don't like than it is really uh, a fear of being harmed. 
And one of the reasons is because the media tends to focus on um, uh, uh, transit-related incidents in a different way. When you hear on the news that someone was assaulted on transit, there's, there's this kind of uh, overlapping feeling like, oh, does that mean that transit is safe? And yet, on the other hand, when you hear on the news that somebody was assaulted in a parking lot, there normally isn't kind of a response that says, well, gee, driving must be unsafe. So transit gets a kind of a short stick in these kinds of media conversations and such. And so it's important to step back and really think about what the truth is instead of the perception. I totally agree with you. I uh, I lived in Toronto for four years when I was going to university, and I was warned coming from I'm a, I was a small town girl from BC, and I was warned that Toronto is the most dangerous, scariest city in the world, and not to make eye contact and, and to be very careful about traveling alone, either walking on the streets or using transit. And I lived right downtown in the core, and for four years I didn't have a single situation where I felt unsafe. I didn't have any issues until the very last month, and it was just a really bad month. I, I was attacked three times, uh, twice on a subway and, and once on the streetcar. And it wasn't that it was a, one night, it was particularly late. One day it was midday in the sunlight. But if I, if I looked over a four-year period, I can't just say that the transit system, there must be a real flaw with safety and protections in the city of Toronto. Because three three times in four years i mean i mean ideally the statistic is zero times but mm. that that kind of paints a picture as well well it's the funny thing about transit is um you are going to be uh, uh exposed to human interaction and many of those human interactions i think are positive some of them might be less so I remember about a year ago, Elon Musk, I don't know if you remember this, he made some incredibly stupid statement about that, that, that there could be serial killers on transit. And social media just tore him to shreds um, uh, based on actual statistics and uh, real-life statistics and data. But one of the things I did uh, in response that got international news is I started just a really simple hashtag called, I said, what if we celebrated the great things that happened on transit? And boy, did it take off. And it started with one person responding, saying, I met my wife on transit. And, or I um, was reading a book, and the author of the book introduced himself. Or I started up a conversation with a war veteran and completely changed my perspective on things. So people of all walks of life shared interactions that uh, were positive, and in many cases, even life-changing. And some negative ones, true, but many, many positive ones. But the funny thing about transit is transit doesn't protect you from interactions. The theory is that a car does. When you're locked up in the car all by yourself, burning fossil fuels and generally becoming less healthy and doing damage to the environment, you're also protected from human interaction, both positive and negative. And um, for some people, that makes you feel safer. But, of course, the stats suggest that you're putting your life far more at risk being in that shell uh, than riding public transit where you feel you're protected from your fellow human beings. I still remember when that tweet went viral for you and the stories were so moving about the good things that happened. Uh, before we switch gears, what, what has been one of your most memorable experiences, whether it was on a bus or on the SkyTrain? On public, uh, on public transit. In, well, I live in Vancouver, of course, but I ride public transit everywhere. The beauty for me, you know, I, I, I tend to think of some pretty significant uh, situations where I, I actually did 
uh, witness a, a proposal, for example, and all sorts of things like that. I also saw a, a moving wedding on a streetcar. But what I like are the everyday interactions. What I really liked were, were the responses like, I got to read my textbooks every day on transit. That allowed me, while I had a job, to finish my high school diploma, and I got a better job. So transit changed my life by allowing me to do that every day. That's just one example that stuck with me, but any number of everyday great happenings on transit that really do change your life. And um, opportunities to expose yourself to human beings, and I happen to believe that humanity is better the more we allow ourselves to be exposed with our neighbor, to our neighbors and with our neighbors, the more we isolate ourselves, the worse we are. Brent Todarian is my guest, and he wrote a story, an article, 25 Simple Resolutions You Can Make to Improve Your City in 2019. The focus is this, is how to be more involved in your community, give back, instead of just complaining about all the things that go wrong in our day-to-day. We'll go there next. Brent Totterin is a city planner and urbanist with Totterin Urban Works and the former chief planner of the city of Vancouver. Brent, would you say that is one of the toughest positions to be in as far as getting flack back from civilians? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, well, I've often said that uh, chief planner of an ambitious and busy city is the toughest job in city making. And um, uh, in the six years I had that role, and, and it's six years before that, one of the top planners in Calgary, nothing, um, nothing in the, that, those 12 years uh, changed my mind about that. And now that I uh, advise cities and often work directly for chief planners, I'm, I'm always um, sympathetic to how hard their job is. In, in many cases, it's a no-win situation. You're going to get criticized no matter what you do. But often the most important things we can do for cities are unpopular things Uh, and so um, that makes the job tough. Okay, well, we're talking about unpopular things, and this is where we're a little bit different than the situation that you're set up for right now in Vancouver. You've got a world-class transit system in the SkyTrain, and you just keep expanding it. And the idea that you get off a a plane at at the Vancouver International Airport and you hop on the SkyTrain, it can take you right downtown. There's there's something pretty magical about that. When we're talking about how do we increase ridership in in Edmonton, we've got to take a step back about 100 years compared to Vancouver or Toronto in the way that right now we don't have an LRT system that connects east or west or even all the way north or even all the way south and uh, for us we're we're playing this game of catch-up but almost every decision that's made uh, we just feel like it's the wrong one Uh, so I I don't know how are you are you fairly familiar with how we're set up right now in our city reasonably familiar with Edmonton I was actually asked uh, by some previous leaders there to do a review of their transportation uh, decisions and such so I have I have um, a, a reasonable sense of things in Edmonton uh, and Edmonton's not that different from many North American cities that uh, often speak about and maybe have an approved vision that says we want to be less car dependent. Whether or not you ever get out of your car or not, you don't want to be dependent on a car. You don't want your family to need a car to do everything. And yet when the, the tough moments come to make the de- actual decisions that will move your city in a different direction, often the right decisions are not made. Um, Edm- Edmonton 
uh, doesn't have to take 100 years to become a transit-friendly city. It could do it much quicker than that, but it would have to prioritize transit in a way that I've never seen uh, Edmonton really want to prioritize it. Uh, Edmonton's one of those cities that I often say is trying to have its cake and eat it too, or sometimes what I say, what I call doing the wrong thing better. They, um, they, they widen roads at the same time as building uh, transit, and they wonder why people aren't choosing different ways of getting around. Often the density isn't high enough around transit to actually make ridership increase. And we talk about issues of safety, but really the main things that drive ridership, no pun intended, are uh, frequency of service, uh, um, uh, 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 the quality of service, the quality of the infrastructure, the network, how it connects A to B. And it's very tough when you're sort of thinking about your transit infrastructure piecemeal, one by one, connecting one thing to one thing. So I I give credit to Edmonton for the recent moves that it's made in terms of transit. But if Edmonton ever really wants to become a transit-friendly city, a multimodal city that makes walking, biking, and transit all of viable alternatives to the car so that if people want to drive they can but they don't need to drive everywhere then frankly they're going to need to reverse their budget uh put most of their money into the things that they're tending to put a little bit of money into like walking biking and transit uh, and frankly stop spending so much and using up so much space trying to widen cars or infrastructure for cars hoping that that will actually decrease uh congestion because one thing we know is that, that it doesn't. It just induces people to drive more and the roads fill up. I'm cherry picking from the article that you wrote for fastcompany.com. 25 simple resolutions you can make to improve your city in 2019. Number 19 on your list is plant a tree in your front yard and fight for street trees on your street and in your neighborhood and across your city. They literally uh, help in dozens of ways. They make life better in in cities, period. And when we're talking about uh, right now, Edmonton, they are trying to improve the vision. They're finally going above street level uh, because that's one of the biggest things we have is the streetcars they don't go, well, our LRT, uh, it, it, they don't go at full speed. They've got the arms that come down and there are intersections where you can literally sit there for 20 minutes while the arms are down, then you get the red light, then they go down again. Uh, but now where they're going above ground, it's meaning in our, our new Valley Line West LRT line, it's a it's going to mean over 1,100 trees, mature trees from mature neighborhoods being torn out. So it's like this competition of what's right and wrong in our neighborhoods. Well, and think about the nature of the competition you just expressed. It's a, it's a case where transit versus trees is a tough conversation. And yet think of how many times we, whenever it's cars versus trees or cars versus transit or cars versus walking or cars versus anything, Cars just automatically win. So I'm glad that a city is struggling with an issue of transit versus trees. Uh, it, it, it needs to start prioritizing both transit and trees much higher than it used to. But this is not something that plays out in a, on a street-by-street basis. You can lose some trees in one context and build or plant 10 times as many of those trees in other contexts. What's your overall city strategy, your overall city priority for greening uh, and urban forestry? Uh, and, and don't just make it a simple headline-grabbing uh, kind of case like uh, transit versus trees on one particular street. The answer is both and as many places you can put it, and being creative. 
And by the way, there's, a, there's an old Chinese proverb about trees that really relates to transit. The, the proverb says the, the, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is now. I say the same thing about public transit. The best time to build public transit is 20 years ago. The second best time is now. So if, you, if Edmonton doesn't need to worry about catching up to Vancouver or any other great transit city, it just needs to do a much better job becoming the transit city that it wants to be. And it doesn't matter at this point what you didn't do 20 years ago. What matters is what you're not doing right now, which is making decisive decisions about a whole expanded, prioritized network for public transit, walking, and biking. And I, by the way, I say all that having uh, a level of uh, appreciation for what the, the current council and the recent councils have done. I'm a fan of your mayor, Don Iveson. I think there is an emphasis on the kinds of things I'm talking about going on in Edmonton. But if anything, my, my message is it's going to take a doubling of that effort, a quadrupling of that effort to, to get more done faster. Brent, you really should be an inspirational speaker if that's not already uh, part of your your huge description of all the jobs that you do. Uh, j- just kind of rapid fire now. We've we've got less than a minute, but wanted to touch on some of the resolutions that I just love, and it's something that maybe we overlook in our day to day, or we don't think that's something that we should do. Number two jumps out from the list: speak at city hall in support of something good for your community community and city, rather than just going to oppose things. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, when I was. Writing that list of 24, I think number three was about mobility and transportation, but the actual first two were things that most people might not think about when it comes to contributing to civic life. Number one was just voting. Uh, We actually vote at a very low rate uh, in the level of government, the municipal government, that most has an effect on our everyday life. And number two was go to City Hall in support of something. City halls often see the people who are mad about something, um, whether it's the, the proverbial pothole getting fixed or they're against something. What are you for? What are you in support of? What do you want the city to become that's different than it is now? And go to city hall, speak to the mayor, speak to city councilors in support of that. And, and I often challenged people when they would come to city hall in Vancouver after listening to their concerns and, and the things they wanted to complain about, but asking them, well, tell me what you're for. Tell me what excites you about what the city could become. And often when you compare that to what they were complaining about, it raised some pretty interesting observations. Sometimes the things they were complaining about were the actual things that would result in the kind of city that they said they want to achieve. Brent, thank you so much for your insight and wisdom and passion. My pleasure. Always glad to chat. That's Brent Totterin. He is a city planner and urbanist with Totterin Urban Works and the former chief planner for the city of Vancouver. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.